you'd turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 8, this is God's living and inerrant word. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood which they had made for the purpose. <clears throat> and beside him at his right hand stood Mattathiah, Shema, Anaiah, Urijah, Hilkiah, and Maaseah, and at his left hand, Pediah, Mishael, Melchijah, Hashem, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshalem. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shebathai, Hodijah, Measeah, Kelita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, and the Levites helped the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. Oh, Father, thank you that we can come now together we love your word. We praise you for your word. We delight to hear your word. Lord, we pray that we would magnify you as we hear your word. It would be in our heart to taste your word and see that you are good. You have given us your law. Thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Help us to have eyes to see, ears to hear what you would have for us to learn this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's been several months since we looked at Nehemiah chapter 4, and in Nehemiah 4 we saw that the people were able to accomplish what uh, most people thought was impossible. In fact, many around them wanted to make it impossible for them to build that wall, uh, but they did complete it in 52 days by the grace of God. And uh, the people had a mind to work. We talked about that. The people had a mind to work. They worked hard. They had a zeal to honor the Lord, and they worked very hard together. And they prayed together. They prayed against these enemies who were coming against them. And so they restored the walls <clears throat> on solid foundations, good foundations. And now we see in chapter 8 here, the people of God are being restored. The wall was restored. Now the people of God are being restored, being revived, which comes from, again, having a sure foundation on the Word of God. And the walls of the kingdom that we build by his grace, that we've been called to build here as a church, as individuals, families, that we build are founded. They must be founded on the word of God. Any other foundation for our labors is like building on sand. And it won't last. Any building built with foundation of sand doesn't even make sense. Ask David Dykstra. He doesn't build things on sand. He knows what would happen to that. In Matthew 7, our Lord said, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, in other words, his word, 
and does them. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now that's the right foundation. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. Lord Jesus and his word is our foundation. But it says, he went on, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine, his word, and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So this chapter shows us as kingdom builders who want our walls to last, and as those involved in rebuilding what was lost in the fall, and those still uh, involved in the dominion mandate, that the walls the Lord enables us to build must be founded on the word of God, and it also teaches us how, gives us ideas on how we can build that foundation, how we should. So in verses one through three, it says basically that people had a hunger for the word of God. They were zealous to come to the word together. And it says, as the people had a mind to work together, we heard, they built a wall, they had a mind to work together, uh, as we saw in chapter four. And they had a mind to pray together, uh, as we will also see in chapter nine. We see here that they had a mind to hear. They had one mind to hear, essentially, the word of God. They were hungry to hear the word of God and to learn it, ready to learn. It says, all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that is, it was in front of the water gate. And so they gathered together as one man, it says, which means, basically, that they all had the same purpose. They were all there to hear the word of God. They were united in their desire as the people of God to hear the word of God. And so in obedience uh, to the word of God, they assembled at one place in a large open square uh, at a certain time, designated time, so that they could hear the word and uh, hear it read and hear it taught. And they all came into the city. Some of those people who did not live in Jerusalem, if you remember, many lived outside and they had to come some distance, uh, but they all came. They were all responsive. They all took action to hear the word. And we, of course, do that by the Lord's grace each Lord's day on the Christian Sabbath. And this assembly, of course, is very important, very needful, this assembly. We, too, are called to set this day aside and to honor the Lord and to rest according to the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Set it aside. I'd like to read uh, from Phil's booklet, uh, it's called uh, Public Assembly. I'd like to read. Uh, right in the beginning, it says, God calls believers to come together as a church. That's 1 Corinthians 11, verse 18. In one place, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty, to listen to the preaching of the word every Sabbath, Acts 15, unless providentially hindered. Nor is attendance all that is required. Believers must be committed to each other in one accord, in one place place. Praise the Lord. We have that kind of assembly here. I rejoice every Lord's Day to come and fellowship with you. So the people came together in one accord and in one place. And then at the end of verse 1, we see that the people, it says, told Ezra, told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. Now certainly Ezra knew that they were ready. There were thousands of people there. He, he would have known that they were ready that this had been planned, but the scripture tells us clearly here that they told Ezra, essentially, we are ready. We are assembled 
We want to hear God's almighty word. We want to hear the word of God. So the leaders had a platform built. Don't know how high that was, but it was high enough that a large crowd could uh, see Ezra. And they, they built the platform so that the people, mostly so that they could hear, hear it better and focus on the word. And that helped, I'm sure. But the most important preparation, the most needed preparation for them and for us is of the heart as we come to the word. And we too seek to have the word be the focus uh, throughout all the parts of this worship service. Now they knew they needed to hear the word of God. And they were obeying what Moses had many years before uh, said. In fact, maybe they read this during this, this time. But in Deuteronomy 32, it says, Moses said, set your hearts on all the words which I testify among you today, which you shall command your children to be careful to observe. All the words of the law. For it is not a futile thing for you, because it is your life. And by his word you shall prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. So it's clear from Moses that uh, the building of the kingdom, the prolonging of the days in the promised land was based on knowing and obeying the word of God. And like them, we are to set our hearts on all of it. And we are to be careful to do all of it. To be able to do our part in the restoration of the kingdom that he calls us to be a part of in building kingdom walls. And may we never, ever get close to thinking that hearing and learning, applying the word of God is a futile thing. May it not be so, ever. May we more and more act knowing that it is indeed our life. Without it, we cannot live out our calling. Without it, we cannot build and we cannot occupy as we have been called to do unless we have a hunger like these returned captives had. And as Ezra was told to do, so I believe he did joyfully. You imagine Ezra seeing all these many people ready there telling him, yes, we want to hear the word of God. Please bring it. He was, I'm sure he was joyful. And he said in verse 2 and 3, uh, it says, So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could under hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women and those who could understand. And it says, all the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. This was a family-integrated worship service. Praise God. Kind of a long one, I think, by our standards. Uh, probably it went from sunrise to noon, so somewhere between six and seven hours, I suppose. But likely there were some pauses in there for refreshment and some time, I believe, for exposition from those men that we'll talk about in just a minute, and, and probably some translation in there also. And this was a renewal of the covenant. It was a covenant renewal service, just as we enjoy by God's grace here each week as we learn from the word of God. And regarding covenant renewal, I'd like to read Deuteronomy 31. It's another example, a similar situation. Gather the people together, men and women and little ones, and the stranger who is within your gates, that they may hear and that they may learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully observe all the words of this law, and that their children, who have not known it, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land which you cross the Jordan to possess. So we come as they did, as we see they did here. 
with our little ones to learn to fear the Lord our God and to learn to carefully observe all the words of the law. We can't grow well, I believe, in fearing the Lord or in carefully observing his law unless we gather together to hear and to learn. Another similar uh, reference to uh, covenant renewal service, Joshua chapter 8. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel, with the men, the little ones, and the strangers who were living among them. And then finally in Joel chapter 2, this is a command, a number of commands, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and nursing babes. Praise God that we can do that. We want to do that. We rejoice in our families being together in worship. And praise God that our covenant children are part of this sacred assembly, called also to gather, to hear the word, to learn to worship. We're all learning to worship. We'll always be learning to worship uh, the King of Kings. And I'm sure that the little ones uh, here are learning uh, to worship, no matter how wiggly they may get sometimes. Or even if the little ones sleep sometime in the midst of a worship service. Now, notice I said the little ones sleep. <laughs> and teaching them to be attentive to the word of God in corporate worship begins at home, certainly. It's established there. It's, it's developed there. It's also developed here. But it begins at home. And I have a suggestion. Probably you're all doing this. <clears throat> but pray for your children before the worship service. And I... Uh, not so much in that one minute of silence that we have uh, before the service, uh, and then also teach them at home how to be ready to worship. We're talking about attentiveness to the Word of God in this sermon. How do you help them to be ready for that? How to be attentive? And that is a high calling for parents, a very high calling for parents. Do not grow weary in doing this. It is, in fact, a part of your service of worship to the living God. It's not just a, a distraction. And believe me, most of, for most of us, it doesn't bother us. It's not a huge distraction here. Now, taking them out, if you have to sometime, uh, is or can be, I believe, again, a part of your worship. And I praise God for your labor of love as you walk back there. Uh, you know, we can see you walking back there trying to quiet your little one sometimes. And I know you're trying to listen to the word of God as you're back there. And in some ways, I believe that even they know, as young as they may be, they know it's important for you to hear the word of God. You're attentive, you're trying to listen, and they're making noise or whatever. But they know that, and it's important that they know that. They need to know how important it is uh, to you to be attentive to the word of God. And we all understand that a sermon of 45 minutes or an hour uh, can be challenging for the little ones. It can be challenging for the older ones. But parents, thank you this morning, I want to thank you for your labors to train our covenant children. Be steadfast. Don't give up. Always abound in this work of the Lord, for your labors uh, will not be in vain in the Lord. Verse 3 says, The ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. They were all attentive. They were ready to be taught. And that should be the attitude of our hearts as we assemble. And I believe it is, on the whole. And in fact, it is by assembling here together on the Lord's Day that we can help each other to have a heart to hear. We each have a role in that, in making this a place where we are all attentive to the word of God, eager to hear the word of God. So being with a bunch of people with one heart and mind to hear the word is a great blessing. And, it, and it indeed, I believe it makes us more attentive. 
where our children grow up learning to be attentive, learning to be good listeners. And by doing so, we grow in being a people of one mind. And we saw earlier, they, they were a people of one mind in their work. They built this wall. But we can be a people of one mind as we pray. We can be a people of one mind as we hear the word of God. Our unity is in the, the God of the word and in the word of God. Not primarily, our unity is not primarily that we are homeschoolers. Yes, praise God, we can do that. It's not primarily that we have a reformed perspective of the word or a covenantal perspective of the word, and that is important. It's not primarily that we are family integrated in our worship service. Those are unifying because they are applications of the word of God. They have foundations from the word of God. But foundationally, we are united by the Lord Jesus Christ and by his living word. Now, regarding attentiveness, which is really the main point of the sermon, and it's appropriate, of course, it's reverent to be attentive to the Word of God. What does that mean, exactly? Well, we all hear the words that I'm saying right now. Uh, so I'm speaking, and the sound waves are going out, and they're going into your, all your ears. You're hearing uh, this. Those same vibrations go into the inner ear. Uh, and maybe for some of you, the sound waves are being amplified a bit by a hearing aid. But we all have the ultimate hearing aid to truly, truly hear the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, the author. So the sound waves are converted to electrical. I don't know, is John Shepard here? I, anyway, medical things, I don't know. But they're converted to, the sound waves are converted to electrical stimulation. They go to our brains uh, where we make some sense out of the words and out of the sentences uh, there. So the basic meaning of it. But we want to really hear in this place in a deeper way. Meaning, listen and understand together, and then worship and act together, because we've understood the word together. And he enables us to comprehend its intended meaning. He illumines, the Holy Spirit illumines our hearts and our minds. And I often pray, open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of your law. We can say the same thing. Lord, open my ears so that I can hear and understand wonderful things from your law. And the Lord Jesus said seven times, he who has ears to hear... Let him hear. The Lord is calling us to be attentive people to his word. In the last book of Job, uh, chapter 42, Job had heard many things from friends. Some of it, not so good. But he'd heard a lot. He, he learned a lot. But at the end, he made this conclusion. He was confessing to the Lord, essentially. He said, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. A whole different level. My eyes see you. And may that be true of us. May we do all that we can do to be attentive to the word of God here and in our private devotions, our family devotions, so that we might see the Lord and know him. Matthew Henry said it kind of this way. By the teachings of men, God reveals his son to us. But by the teachings of his spirit, he reveals his son in us. So as fathers and elders and others teach the word, bring the word, the revelation of the Lord, it is to reveal the Son to us. But by the teachings of his Spirit, he reveals his Son in us. And so we are changed from glory to glory, as he says in 2 Corinthians 3. We're changed into his image from one degree of glory to another. Now the word, of course, must be spiritually discerned. It can only be really spiritually discerned. So ask the Lord by his spirit to open your ears that the Son might be revealed 
not only to you, but in you. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says, the Spirit of God makes the reading, but especially the preaching of the Word, an effectual means of convincing and converting sinners and of building them up in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. And then later on it adds, we must attend to the Word with diligence, preparation, prayer, receive it with faith and love, lay it up in our hearts and practice it in our lives. So how did this attentiveness, this kind of attentiveness to the Word of God happen to these people in this situation? Why were they so ready to hear the Word of God? Well, first of all, I believe they had suffered. They had suffered greatly as a group. And now they came and they were uh, convicted in their hearts at their disobedience to God's word and their father's disobedience to God's word. So they came as the people of God so they were, and they were eager to hear the word of God now. And I don't believe we need to uh, or should pray for suffering because the Lord will providentially bring that, which we've already heard this morning. But we can and we should pray that we should be convicted, that we could be convicted of sin and of righteousness and of judgment and uh, that we'll have repentant hearts, that we'll have soft hearts when we come to the Word of God. And we can take action like they did. And uh, so they, tell, they told Ezra, we want to hear. We are assembled now. Bring it. Bring the Word of God. We are ready to hear it. So before we assemble, what other ways can we prepare? Here's just a few suggestions. First of all, we can read the passage uh, of Scripture that will be expounded, especially in advance. We've been doing that for most of 10 years, I think, now. We've been sending the uh, text, at least, not the full text, but the reference. And um, it's good to read that in advance. My family and I do that at family devotions on Saturday night, usually. And uh, we ask, well, I ask, what do you think you've learned from this passage? And almost always, especially in Revelation, it's different than Phil eventually shares. But we read it. It was good for us to think about it, and we're much more ready or more attentive when he preaches from that passage. Secondly, we can pray for ears to hear. And that is uh, before, as I mentioned, uh, before the time that we do so in the announcements. Well, that 30 seconds is important, by the way, as a part of our worship service. And we should ask the Lord to open my ears and the ears of my, my family. And Probably it's best to do that at home on a Sunday morning, but I know how chaotic that can be. And you can't even find shoes. Uh, I mean, not yours, but your kids. Um, and so, you know, in the car, it turns out to be, for us anyway, about the best time. So every Sunday on the way driving here, we pray. Pray that we would be teachable and hungry for the Word of God. And because we, we must ask that. The, the Word is spiritually discerned. We can't just go and listen to the words, the vibrations went into my ears, we need the grace of God in his Holy Spirit to help us understand it. Second Peter says, no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation or private origin. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So they were moved by the Holy Spirit, these apostles and prophets, to speak and to write his words. So that we need to ask the Spirit to help us understand what he inspired them to write. These words are God-breathed. Something else we can do, I believe, is to be rested. That is preparing a little more in advance than just Sunday morning. Uh, That would be at least the night before. 
And I know that for many of you, Saturday is a day to really work hard or really play hard. And that's okay. But if you also stay up late that same night that you've worked hard and play hard, then even if the sermon the next day is lively, so to speak, uh, you are, and you're eager, like these people, you're eager to hear the Word of God, your body and mind can begin to fade a bit. And your eyes want to droop, and it becomes harder uh, to be attentive, which we're commanded to be. Another thing we can do is open the Word as you're here, or turn on your phone, and follow along as the Scripture is being read. And we can use the senses better that the Lord has given us to discern its meaning. He made them. He gave them to us for his glory. And what better way to glorify him and please him than to be active and alert and attentive in learning the word of God. Our sight is a gift. Praise God. It is helpful to follow along as the word is read and taught. Visual input. And I know sometimes you can't do that and take notes. Uh, you know, when I'm taking notes and, and Phil doesn't leave much room on the page and I'm writing on the side and underneath, uh, you know, that's a challenge. But I'm paying attention because I want to hear it and I want to note it for, for later times to review it. So taking notes, I know, involves uh, a little, it's sometimes challenging to do so, but it involves sight and action or movement uh, while we are hearing. It's a skill that can be learned. I know a number of people have told me here that, it's really hard to take notes. I can do one or the other. I can hear, I can take notes. Well, I think you can develop in that area. It's, it is, does take some time and some work, but it's a skill that can be learned, even for those who are really auditory learners. They would love to just listen, and maybe they can re remember a lot. But it's, I think it's uh, helpful to take notes. So I take notes so I can review, actually. I take, uh, taking notes helps me, anyway, to concentrate better. And I want to concentrate on the living Word of God. Sometimes, I, I, like I said, I can't write everything Phil's saying, so I have to quit uh, for a minute, and uh, you know, maybe I'll just have to decide I'm going to listen to this later, or I look over at Sherry and see what she wrote. Uh, but it, you know, I'm taking notes because I really want to, uh, I want to be a man of the word. And if that helps me do that, then I will do it. And as a new believer, uh, when I was a very young believer, and uh, I wasn't that good at taking notes, I had a, a Christian come and say, you know, uh, you're, like, you're probably not going to be able to do all that. So he suggested that when I, in the midst of preaching, when uh, something comes up, I think, wow, I need to think about that more. I need to apply that verse. I put an A in a circle. I've done it ever since I was a young believer. I also do the same thing when I want to memorize something and Phil shares something, and I want to memorize this. I put an M in a circle, and I always review my notes at some point, and I will go back to that. For example... In, in the book of Revelation, the chiasm, chapter 12, is the center of the chiasm of the book, right? And what, should I ask what verse is the center of the chiasm of chapter 12? Well, it's verse 11. I had memorized that some time ago, but if I hadn't, and I remember Phil saying this is a very important verse, I would have put an M there and taken notes. And it says, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Yes, that should be hidden in your heart. Now, hearing is a gift. It's an auditory input, of course, uh, not just to hear sounds uh, and the words that people are speaking here, uh, but to hear the living word of God with a mental focus and a teachable heart. Now, sometimes I believe there's too much what you might call unspiritual wax in our ears, making it harder to hear. So ask the Lord to clean that out. 
the errant thoughts or whatever may be hindering you from truly hearing the word of God. Ask the Lord to heighten your spiritual hearing, kind of like he enables blind people uh, to hear, uh, it makes their hearing much sharper, much more acute uh, to compensate for the lack of sight. Ask him, Lord, I want to have ears attuned to your word. Now, when I lead family devotions, I expect my family to pay attention. Now, my family knows that, for me anyway, if they are not paying attention at that time, it bothers me more than most other things bother me. I'll just tell you. You can ask them. And it isn't because I necessarily have great, astounding insights to share, but because we are opening God's word here. We're hearing the word of God. And of course, we talk before it and we talk after it uh, about other things. It's not a humorless time. I don't want to give that impression. But the reading and discussion of the word should be done with more seriousness and a commitment to learn and to understand that we are coming to hear the revelation of the Lord God because he loves us. He gave it to us in love. Now, How much more does our Heavenly Father expect us to listen attentively to his revelation when we read it and, and hear it? And so may the Lord give us all who are able to hear with understanding, a hunger for his word, and thus ears that are attentive to his precious word. In verses four through six, the people were attentive also, I believe, because they had a high view of the word of God. They had a high view. It says in verse four, so Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood which they had made for the purpose, and then beside him on his right, he had six and seven on his left. And Ezra opened the book in verse five, in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. So he gave a blessing there. It doesn't say uh, what that was. But then all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. That's how they looked at hearing the word of God and blessing the Lord God. Now, I mean here by the people had a high view, of course, not that the, the, the Bible, the scripture, the scroll was high and the man reading it was up there, but because they revered it. They revered it as what it is, the living and abiding word of God. It's his truth given to us in this form that we might know him and obey him. This is reminding me of like Paul. Paul uh, said this of the Thessalonians of the church in Thessalonica, in 1 Thessalonians 2, he said, and he, he said he thanked God without ceasing for this here. I thank God without ceasing because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, and that was Paul and Silas and Timothy, you welcomed it not as the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also, fully, also effectively works in you who believe. So the people of Israel here, we see the remnant when they were about to hear the word of God, read and taught, in a way that hadn't for many years, they stood. We stand. That's why we, we stand here. It's, it's appropriate when the living, inspired word of God is read publicly. Now, they gladly received the word, it says, with great respect and reverence and awe. And I think, although some uh, may have been tired of standing for such a long time, that with such zeal, to hear the word, that they would have said something like, well, it didn't seem that long. Well, they probably had some breaks, as I mentioned, during the whole time, but when the word of God was read, they stood. 
So the people and the teachers all stood. They had a high view of the word of God. And so here, they had made this high platform for Ezra and some of the Levites. There were six helpers on his, on his right, seven on his left. And these men maybe helped Ezra read for some of those hours. Six or seven hours is a long time to read. And then there were another 13 men, we see in verse 7, walking around, moving around among the crowd, helping them to understand the word that they heard, or possibly repeating it for them, or possibly even translating it for them. And it is a blessing, as Phil mentioned. It is a blessing for a particular church to have a group or a plurality of leaders who love the word of God and who respect the word of God, who revere it. We have a high view of the word of God. And also, we have 25 presbyters, elders in the CPC who love the word of God. Praise God. Well, then in verse 6, Ezra, it says, Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, after which all the people said, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Why did they react like that? Did they, were they commanded? Why did they say, if not probably shout, Amen, Amen, and lift their hands as the Lord was blessed? And before the reading of the word, what was going on in their hearts and minds as they were about to hear the living word of God? Well, first, I believe they wanted to show their agreement with Ezra when, in what he said about the Lord. He spoke a blessing to the Lord before coming to his word. Some, a few examples here of, of a blessing, a similar kind of blessing. This is in Psalm 72. This is a song of Solomon. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only does wondrous things. And blessed be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. And when the ark was placed in the tabernacle, David sang, I believe, 1 Chronicles 16, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And all the people said, Amen, and praised the Lord. It's an appropriate response. Now another blessing is in 1 Chronicles 29, verses 10 through 13. And if we could have that projected, Ella. It's a wonderful blessing to the King of Kings. And this is a part of the prayer of blessing which David prayed after all the people, you might remember, they brought offerings and piles of offerings willingly and joyfully. And that was the spirit they, they gave joyfully for the building of the temple. And I am here leading this morning, somewhat like, somewhat like Ezra, I guess. I'm not on a high platform. Uh, I don't know if Ezra was a skinny old guy with a white beard. With, I know he didn't have glasses, but in a sense... Like Ezra, I'm, I want to read, I would like to read this blessing. And back then, it says, the people responded by raising their hands and saying amen in agreement and joy. The people here in, that we see in this chapter knew it was allowable to raise their hands sometimes in worship. You, you all know that. We are learning to do that, I believe. And from the context, I believe that they were moved to do this. It wasn't just a form it wasn't a ritual, but it was a heartfelt reverence of the Lord and the word they were about to hear. David said in Psalm 63, I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. And he said in Psalm 119, I will lift my hands toward your commandments, which I love. He said, I'm lifting my hands toward the commandments of God. He loved the word of God. 
And we are gathered together as one people here. Like the remnant uh, were gathered together in the open square, it says, at the water gate in Jerusalem. We're gathered here in the open square of Legacy Hall. Well, it's not really open. There's chairs, but it's an open square. And as the people of God did in Jerusalem, as Ezra opened the scroll, it wasn't a book. They didn't have bound books, of course. They had scrolls. So he, as he opened the scroll and blessed the Lord, and I would like to read this blessing. And would you stand, please? <clears throat> and if... You desire to raise your hands as I read this blessing to the Lord at whatever part. Please do so to worship the Lord, to please him, to do it as unto him, not to man. Don't worry about those around you. Also, please say amen as you desire as I read. And when I finish this blessing, let's say together as they did then, a hearty amen, amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Amen. 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 Thank you. You may be seated. It was a joy to bless the Lord together in that way with you, to magnify the Lord as we are called to do. And so the people agreed with the blessing that Ezra gave, and then uh, by the way, that wasn't the end of the sermon, but it's coming it's pretty, pretty soon. You probably thought, okay, time to end this. So the people agreed with the blessing that Ezra uh, gave. And then secondly, to the question that I'd asked earlier, what was going on in, in their hearts and their minds as they were about to hear the living word of God? Well, they shouted amen and amen and raised their hands because they were, I believe, expectant. They were expectant. They were soon to hear the word of God. And likely they raised their hands at other points uh, during that long time. And they knew that they would learn eternal truths from the word of God. In fact, uh, that they would learn about the eternal God of truth as they heard his word, as they heard his law. They were expectant to learn. And that should always animate and excite the people of God. May that expectancy be more and more a part of this assembly and of each one of us here as we open the word or as it is opened to us. Now we don't, we won't do here what they did in verse six. After saying amen, it says, they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Again, they were worshiping the living God. Uh, and they probably did that at other times too, not just at the, this beginning. So they bowed, in fact, they probably prostrated themselves. That Hebrew word indicates that probably they were prostrate on the ground. Or at least they bowed on their knees with their uh, faces to the ground, showing by that complete submission and humility to the Lord and complete submission and humility to the word of God. They realized again that they are the people of the book. Have you heard that expression? That's still said. That expression is still used in the Middle East for people who will die for their faith. It's used by Muslims of Christians. 
Oh, he's a man of the book. He's, they are people of the book. So they were seeing again, yes, we are, we are people of the book. Now we kneel, and some of you, in fact, bow your heads to the ground uh, when we come in submission to confess our sins, as we did this morning, whom we have sinned against. And they bowed in this way, as we'll see uh, later in chapter 9, as they confessed to the Lord and as they repented. They weren't worshiping here, by the way. They were not worshiping or bowing down to the scroll itself, which would have been a form of idolatry. It's called bibliolatry. Believing that the word is inerrant and infallible and authoritative is not bibliolatry. We are accused of that, I'm sure, because we believe all of the words of this book. Some people would say that, wow, you you almost worship that book. Now, the world would say that. Some liberal, liberal Christians might say that of us. John Frame said, God's word, wherever we find it, including scripture, is an object worthy of reverence. I'm not advocating bibliolatry, which is worship of a material object with paper, ink, and so on. The paper and ink are creatures, not God, and we shouldn't bow down to them. Bow down to them. But the message of the Bible, what it says, is divine, and we should receive it with praise and worship. In Matthew 5, the Lord is speaking to the Pharisees, and he's speaking about them, but he is also speaking directly to them. And he said, you do not have his word abiding in you. That is the word of the Father, the word of his Father. You do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent, him you do not believe. And then he said to them, he looked at them, and he said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness to me, yet you refuse to come to me that you might have life. So really, I would say they were bibliolatrists. They really worshiped themselves, I think. Uh, and they worshiped their own understanding of the word. And they were full of pride when they should have submitted to the author of the word of God, seeking his guidance in understanding and application of his word. But these people here in Nehemiah and their leaders, which uh, we'll see uh, in the rest of the chapter next week, had a very high view of the word of God, a reverence and a respect and an awe, a fear of the word of God that we pray is growing here and that our children will always know So to conclude this point and this sermon, how do people with a high view of the word of God act? Basically, what is their attitude? First of all, a high view, like I said earlier, makes us long to grasp the word of God, eager to hear the wisdom of the word of God in a deeper way than we have, to understand it more and more so that we might know the Lord and we might worship him rightly. A desire that moves us to say, bring the word like they said. We want to hear it. I wouldn't mind if you came up to me after or before the service. I am here to hear the word of God. That would be great. And in corporate worship, people with a high view of the word want to be together. I mentioned that also. With others who also have a high view of the word of God. They look forward to this. And they prepare for this. And they talk about it together like we do after the service. Then again, we should be like Bereans. Many times we've encouraged that. People who search the scriptures eagerly to see if these things are so. They want to know if what was preached lines up with the rest of scripture. And so they're diligent. They want to not just know about the word, but to understand it. Because they want to know the Lord Jesus. Understanding is a key word in this chapter. We'll look at that a little more next week. The word understand or understood is in six times in this chapter. And the Lord has given us his word, brothers and sisters, to be understood. We're learning every week. I I think, every week in 
as Phil goes through the book of Revelation. It's not meant to be a mystery, but to reveal his son, to reveal the victory of the son. And we can and should be doing all that we can to understand it. In other words, search it, inquire, meditate, read, memorize, think on these things like it says in Philippians 4. Now, just a little side note, in terms of Bible, your Bible reading, your reading time, outside of your personal devotions, I mean, it is easy to make that a project. Okay, let me say, for me, I have, in, my, in the past, made that a project. I checked it off, I read four chapters. And granted, the idea is, is to have a faster pace to get a bigger picture of the Word of God. Rodney exhorted us several months ago in that. And that's good. We need to do that. Uh, but it's a pace faster than the devotions. But we still need to come to the Word of God whenever we come to the Word of God. Even the hard passages, even the genealogies, even the uh, details of the temple with a reverence to the Lord and a reminder that we are reading His inerrant Word. Well, third, I think... Uh, Another attitude that goes along with people who would say such a thing, bring the word to me, is thankfulness that they have the word of God at all. And brothers and sisters, we have had his written word, I believe, probably for all of us, all our lives, in our own language. Are we thankful? We've had it in abundance, for which we should praise the Lord. David said, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. He loved the the word of God. He was very thankful for it. Another... Uh, suggestion is regarding body posture. And I think our posture indicates some of our, uh, about our attitude. And in fact, it even, I believe, influences our attitude as we come to the word. And it can help us with attentiveness also. Standing is a sign of respect. Bowing is a sign of submission and humility. Raising hands is a sign of agreement and praise and prayer. Sitting up straight is helpful to be alert and, and to show respect. I'd like to conclude reading uh, in this booklet, Dressed Up for Church. Phil wrote this. It's primarily about being respectful in our dress on the Lord's Day, but I'd like to read this near the end of, of the book. Another reason we should dress up for church is that it shows respect for God and for God's place of worship. God says to those who worship him, if I am a master, Where is my respect? Is Malachi 1. It is not enough to say that we respect him in our hearts. God wants respect shown. Though the priest protested, in what way have we despised your name? Verse verse 6. God was able to demonstrate specific outward actions. That's verses 7 through 14. You can look at that later, Malachi 1. And body language, verse 13, that showed disrespect for him in worship. They were not bringing him their best in worship. In fact, verse 13, part of what verse 13 says there is the people were sneering. Their their attitude, even their facial expression was not respectful to the Lord God. In fact, this is what they said. Oh, what a weariness. Terrible thing to say when coming to worship the living God. Well, finally, our attitude toward the word of God has... uh, generational impact. We believe in covenant succession here, but we all know that that covenant succession is based on the foundation of the Word of God. One verse I often think of is Psalm 112, and I have prayed for my family. 
It says, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty in the land or on the earth, and the generation of the upright will be blessed. Two great blessings for the man who fears the Lord and delights greatly in his commandments. So the people who fear the Lord and his word and delight in the Lord and his word will have mighty descendants on earth and will bless the people of the Lord. May the Lord be honored in our attitude of attentiveness and respect and reverence and by our thankfulness, too, for his word. And I'd like to close by reading the first goal of the ten major goals. We put this in the congregational report all the years that you've been here, probably since 99, I believe. They have not changed. These have been the ten goals of our church since its foundation. I'm going to read the one that's number one in that list. And there's a tree over here. So the number one goal has to do with the roots, where our life comes from. And I read that earlier in Psalm 32. The word is our life. Now this is our, the number one goal in our church. It says, to press to our hearts the comprehensive claims of God's word, the sufficiency of God's word and its inerrant authority over all of life, and to be more consistent in living out that law word. May the Lord enable us to have hearts like this and press on toward that goal. May we have a growing hunger for the word of God by being attentive as it is read and and as we hear it. May his word be the foundation of all the kingdom work that the Lord calls us, calls you to do. All the walls he calls us to build should be founded on his living word because we love his word. And may we have a high respect and fear for the living word of the almighty God that we might know him. Let's pray. O Lord, you are mighty and worthy of all praise. And you've called us to work together and to pray together and to build each other up, to encourage each other as we are involved in building in your kingdom and to fight the enemy together as your people. And Lord, we rejoice that you will fight for us, that your will will be done. And may we have an even more active role in the kingdom of grace, being advanced as we continue on in faith, that the kingdom of glory may be hastened. Lord, fill us with a love for your precious word, a hunger and a desire and a reverent attentiveness to it, that we might know you, that we might love you. And we ask this in the name of the King of Kings, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.